there are no rules. Like you make what you want to make and you kind of hope and cross your fingers that people like you and music fans will pay attention. Welcome to The Resistance, a podcast that features honest discussion with meaningful artists about the opposing forces we all face when moving toward our better selves. I'm your host, Matt Connor. Sarah Jaffe started the year in 2019 like any of us do, with good intentions and resolutions laying out the kind of life we want to live. I don't know about you, but I do the same every single year. From my own front porch, I can see a bright neon sign of a 24-7 gym franchise. It's a place that's open and available any minute of any day of any week of the year. And yet, ever since I've moved into my house, I've never once darkened the door of that place. Fortunately, Sarah is a lot better on her follow-through than I am. Sarah's music has always signaled that there's someone intentional on the other side of it all. Whether you've been listening to her for a long time, likely due to her acoustic hit Clementine, or even more recent offerings like her full-length Bad Baby, which is steeped in some killer scent. The lyrics within have always been compelling and honest, authentic and approachable. There's something about her opening up about her own struggles and the life she wants to live that draws you into her music. In January of this year, Sarah released a stunning new single called Dark Energy. Dark Energy, she sings, stay away from me. It's the latest musical resolution from an artist who's learned through trial and error, through age and experience, what it means to order her life in meaningful ways. She's learned to nurture positive habits and to also allow in healthy perspectives. And when it comes to the unhealthy ones, dark energy, stay away from me. On this episode of The Resistance, Sarah opens up about her struggles to cultivate good habits. She also gets frustrated with her addiction to social media. Just like in her music, she's every bit the approachable artist you think she would be. And when she warns the dark energy to stay away, it's a great reminder that we could all use the exact same stance. Resistance is hard to ward off, and we need to be very intentional if we're ever going to make our way through it. Sarah, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. As we've been doing with every episode here in season one, um, the theme of the podcast uh, being the resistance comes from Stephen Pressfield's work, The War of Art. And Sarah, we've been opening every episode by just reading a couple sentences from Pressfield's work. And I'd love to start our conversation by having you respond to the following, if this is okay with you. Yeah. Pressfield says this Most of us have two lives, the life we live, and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands resistance. I guess I'm just curious where you're at right now in your own creative career, and you've been at this for quite a while, really. Um, I'd love to know kind of where you're at with that topic and, and, and that idea of resistance. Interesting to me that this book was written, you said, how long ago? Two decades ago? Yeah, it's been around for about 20 years or so. I, th- I, th- I think I could totally be wrong on that I think that that's, if that was true then, it's most assuredly true today, um, specifically for the reason of social media kind of 
being this uh, illusion for a lot of people and also a, a kind of a hurdle for me at times um, just because it, it has this weird applied pressure to make you think that you're not where you should be. Um, and I don't know, <clears throat> I guess as far as my thing goes, it's, I always kind of have like my anxiety is my alarm clock. Um, it's constantly moving and it's constantly telling me to, to go. It's kind of like doubles as self-preservation. Um, <laughs> I don't really allow myself the time to, to sit too much. Although I do love a good wallow, but um, <laughs> I don't, I don't really sit around too much, but I think um, as I get older, I realize I guess I'm just more self-aware. Um, it doesn't necessarily change circumstance of how I feel, but I definitely feel more self-aware of like kind of the BS that's involved um, and just kind of fight against like the, the idea of like there's this expiration date, you know? Um, mm. I think about like artists like, Cindy Lauper who had their first, I think girls just want to have fun. Like she was, I want to say she was 40 when that song came out. Um, and this is after years and years of being told like, you're not good enough. You don't look, you don't look good enough. This, that, this, that. And another artist that comes to mind is Sia. Like these are artists that I obviously like really admire, but it's also that comfort in knowing like there's really no, expiration date it's really you against yourself mm. um and that's pretty much where i sit like i had someone tell me that like um people are so used to feeling like really hot or really cold like but we as human beings we we don't know how to live in the middle and we that's where we live like we live in the gray mm. um so it's really about finding that that ambition in in the gray areas to kind of push yourself and that's what's difficult for me to do because i like I mean, feeling super hot or super cold like the extremities <laughs> you know what i'm saying i do i do you i mean you speak to that uh, like even with with between the um from bad baby mm, i think no song sums it up more yeah i think that there's such a beautiful thing about being honest about about the between, like it's, it's just, it should be talked about, you know, most artists are in fact like middle-class working musicians. Like they're the, in my opinion, the, the, you know, the bleeding beating heart of the music industry. And they're out there grinding all the time and, um, playing, uh, you know, shows on four hours of sleep and selling their own mm -hmm. merch. Like they're hustling. It's, it's a modern day hustle, you know? Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about social media. Is, is that part of, is that a major part of your own resistance because of the comparison culture that that creates? Yeah. It's something that it's funny that like something that didn't even exist when I started out playing music is now like this weird pressure, like, mm. um, to make like certain posts and to, prom to constantly promote oneself in the same breath that I think that it's absolute BS. I also am highly addicted to it. 
Um, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. Like I, it, I immediately get nostalgic for like the days when I was, you know, basically sending gloves, a picture of myself and a burnt CD <laughs> of demos. And there's no legwork, anything like I really don't have to leave my house to promote myself. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think I miss the legwork. I think, um, I, I just miss the hunger a little bit. I'm not as, I'm not as hungry as I used to be. This, this, this may move us in a different direction in a minute, but I, I know like I was reading, um, about your preparation for your most recent album, bad baby. And mm-hmm. you were talking about, um, like coming up maybe for the first time with like a set schedule to be creative, like to start writing at 10 to, you know, yeah. to give yourself like a dedicated time. Do you think that that sort of approach would be maybe helpful in terms of even like social media? And like you said, the addiction there. Um, 1000%. Um, I had never been told, um, until before recording that record, John Congleton was actually the one, um, who who told me to basically start compartmentalizing my life because it's not like how it was when I first started out where, you know, I had this plethora of songs and there was no preconceived ideas of what it all was or is. It was just bliss. And then it became work. It became my job. And um, so there was no definitive line in between my everyday life and when I should be working. Um, and he was like, you need to start compartmentalizing your life. And that's where that came in, basically just saying, here's a start time and here's a hard stop time. And then after that hard stop time, no matter how great a song's going, you stop and you continue on with your life. Um, and it's weird just even after the first day of doing that, how much it just set into place. You know, those those like trite things <laughs> they don't like you it's funny how long you can ignore them until you're desperate for them and then you realize oh my god this is why they're proverbial and trite because they're true they work <laughs> um so i'd see no reason at all why why the you know that wouldn't leak over into everything else you mentioned uh, like ha- like having that creative schedule and and but even stopping in the middle of a song, which I find just to be uh, almost silly. Like I would think, if you're feeling, you know, quote unquote, inspired in the moment, like would you really cut off the process? Yeah, really. So some songs were just left till the next day. Yeah, which was torture because you like you fiend for those moments <laughs> in the creative process where like magic is starting to happen and like all the pieces are being glued together. Like, and it's, it just feels good. It's, it's like, I think any artist would tell you that it's the highest of highs. Like, it's just like your body's, your brain's most natural high. And so it was just like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta stop with this, this tasty delight. Like, uh, so that's, um, that's still really (laughs) difficult for me. Um, it's also really, really difficult for me to get back in those habits. It's, Amazing to me how like <laughs> how easy it is to form bad habits, but like when it comes to like just your overall creative and mental health, it's just like all of a sudden that's that's a hurdle. It's the I don't know why it's so difficult for people to do. Were you ever afraid that you were going to lose 
Like, will I come back tomorrow no, and the magic's gone? because it's all I thought about. <laughs> <laughs> so I would stop, but I'd still think about it. I'd run my errands. I'd do what I needed to do. I'd do the laundry, but it was still on my mind. I just wasn't physically in that space. Is, is, uh, is that something that you're going to pick back up for this, for this next album? Or is that something that you keep even between albums? Yeah. You know, like I haven't, um, I've kind of been in this other zone, actually. As soon as uh, the touring for Bad Baby was coming to an end, I I just feel like uh, the last couple records after the creative process is done, it, I just stopped feeling like myself, like touring. I think at this moment in my life, I'm not writing it off forever. Just kind of started wearing my ass out. Like it just felt like it was the right direction, but the wrong lane. And so I started primarily writing for other artists and wanting to pitch for other artists. So that's what I've been doing, which is, has my head in a totally different space. Um, yeah, it's, they're too, it's weird how different they are, the mental spaces. Yeah. I would think that those would be closely linked. How does one affect the other for you? Like this space of writing for others, does that does that clear the slate for your own work in some ways or inform it in any way? Honestly, I think it kind of frees up the pressure of trying to be cool for yourself. Writing for other people, you're obviously you're writing for other people. And it's it suddenly becomes just the joy of creating. And I think if it leaked over in any way, it would it would be in the like a release of like pressure. I don't, it's just all the things that I love. It's like melody based. It's um, thought provoking. There's a strange and wonderful formula. And there's a, there's a, I guess a discipline, like just like in the infrastructure of writing for other artists, because people will send me tracks that already exist. And so there's just this writing of, 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 a pre-existing track, like the collaborative spirit. So there's just already an infrastructure laid in the whole thing of, of being disciplined, which I really gravitate to. Like I really, really enjoy it thoroughly. I, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about bad baby, although I know that's in the rearview mirror for you at this point, but you know, the album is so much about, it feels like an artist finding her confidence or being more assured in herself. Like it's your fourth album. So do you feel like maybe the experience of albums one, two and three and working through like working through the feelings and the emotions and the experiences of a younger self, is that just pretty natural for, Hey, I'm my fourth. I'm older now. I, I kind of know who I am. I've learned my voice. Is like, is that all, is that a part of that that came out on bad baby? Oh, for sure. One one thousand percent. You know th- those moments of confidence. They're certainly captured, as my friend Robert Gomez put it. It's each record is is a Polaroid picture. It's a snapshot of where you are. And obviously, there are moments where I feel less confident than others. But during this, the writing of this record, I feel like there was just an owning up to it. And I think that there's a confidence to owning up to things and to being honest with yourself. And like I said, self awareness. Um. And I had never been up until, you know, writing that record in a creative process that self-aware. And hopefully the next record cycle, you know, when I'm ready to, to make my own again, um, it'll be another moment of, of, of a new level of self-awareness. I can only assume 
that that just comes, some of that comes with age and some of it comes with the experience in aging. Um, so it's just like, a, it's like a season, you know, it's just becoming more seasoned. Mm. And, and I think so much of that is on the musical side is being confident in the, in the band that I play with um, and learning from them. And also in between records, really doing my best to experiment with other instruments and in writing with, you know, with and for other artists, you really, it's impossible not to, to take those things with you in making your own, like to take a little bit of pop and a little bit of hip hop and a little bit of electronic. And it's, it's just impossible not to take those things with you and be inspired by them when you're making some. By the way, what, what have you been experimenting with lately? I've been playing drums like a mad woman. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. I'm about as basic of a drummer as one can imagine. Uh, but I just like, it puts me in a state of like rhythm section has all the fun, like the mm. secrets out <laughs> just so much fun. And like, I love it. Like when my drummer friends come in and, they, they'll give me a pointer to kind of like break up my patterns to break up whatever beat that I can't get my head locked out of, like unlocked. And it just like, there's just so much to learn. And I just feel like it only makes me a better musician. I basically just want to be able like next time I'm in the studio, I want to be able to, to play whatever I'm asking someone else to play, mm. you know? I want to be a good drummer. I want to be a good bass player. I don't want to be the best. I just want to be good at, at all of the things that other people are playing with and for me. So it's been a really nice uh, way to enjoy music and a way to practice music and hear it and from an entirely different perspective. Yeah. That, that makes me wonder whether um, some of my favorite artists, I think started out as drummers and I think it gives them a really interesting perspective that they start songwriting from. And I just wonder what that will do to your own music in the future. Well, it's interesting too, because with bad baby, especially, um, you know, Matt, a lot of times would start, um, kind of building a beat. And then it kind of made me realize that a lot of records, including don't disconnect, just hearing a beat alone, like it's, it just opens up my brain. It opens up the hatch a lot and for melodies and for space and, you just hear things in a different way. Um, so I've really, really been enjoying playing. You mentioned opening. Um, I, I wanted to ask about synthetic love uh, in particular as a way to start off the album. We can play a bit of this um, as, as well, but, but I, I love like, like there's one sustained synth note to open the album for 18 seconds before <laughs> anything else. Yeah. <laughs> begins to break in and i I, you can't put that song in the middle of a record trust me i tried and i was like you know what like there's no there's no coming back when you put that song smack dab and it'll just throw everything off but you can't not put it on the record it has to be on the record so why not just like grab people's attention right out the gate and cleanse their palate right out the gate you know what I'm saying? All that power you 
That's that's what I wondered about. I I bring that up because it feels like, you know, we're talking about resistance and I feel like starting an album with that is just kind of a statement, you know, single culture where we're like flipping through everything so quickly, you know, here's, here's this arresting sort of almost like drawing a line in the sand. Like you're either going to pay attention to this or you're not. Or you won't. That's exactly right. Was, was there yeah. any fear there putting that on the front end of, of things? 1000%. Okay. 1000%. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's something that we created. So of course we're going to pay attention to it, but I think we're in a, a day and age of, of art and hopefully we'll get, get back to, I guess the pure intention, but there are no rules anymore. Like there is no selling out. There is no, uh, there are no rules. Like you, you make what you want to make. And you kind of hope and cross your fingers that people like you and music fans will pay attention. If I, cause there's already the fear, you know, that I face within myself of like the question that I ask all the time, like if I weren't me, would I listen to me? Um, and I, I don't think anyone can answer that question, honestly, but I, I just, I can't, if I think, if I start to think about like what other people are going to think while making the record, I, I'll lose it. Like I'll just lose my footing. It's too scary. You know, have you done that before? Lost your footing? All the damn time. <laughs> when the was the time. last time? Uh, today? Every day. <laughs> I guess I'm asking in the way in which you just framed it. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess a little bit every day. I mean, I, I, I have to, if I, if I'm, if I'm on social media, hmm. there it's, it's near impossible for me not to be like, am I good enough? <laughs> hmm. it, it's almost impossible. Uh, I was reading an interview with, um, Andre 3000 and he said something and I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he was basically like, I don't think that I would be an artist today because of the way things are like, there's just too much, it's too much. And it's amazing just in the time that I've been making records and touring, how, how the record business in general and the creative process has just flipped on its head. Like artists have also just had to really morph and mold and transition into this artists that have been making music for the last 20 years. I should say, um, we've really kind of created our own lane because we've had to, you know, just because of the way that people are listening to music, the way that music is packaged. Um, the, 
you know, the middle-class working musician going on tour is hella expensive. Hmm. It's, it's all had to change because of this. Does that ever have you rethinking things? Like, I mean, because it is, it's running a small business now being entrepreneur versus just making music. Oh yeah. I've writing music for it's everything. It's had me rethink everything. Um, how can I make music a lucrative career for myself and still enjoy it and still not hate myself at the end of the day? Like touring was really just, I think at the time, and it might look different for me in five years. Like at the time it just, I would play a show and I just didn't feel great. Like not because of the show, just, just didn't feel I don't know. It was just like nudged to the left a little bit. Like it just didn't feel like I was locked in place. Mm. Just kind of, I don't know. And so I think for me, like the direction that I would like to go in now is like, like I said, writing for other artists, not, you know, it's obviously a very difficult world, but um, it is lucrative and it is enjoyable for me. So I'm going to keep going with that until I feel that weird feeling again. Like, uh, I don't know if this is right, you know, but so far, like it feels like this is the right direction for the time being. You've been listening to the resistance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And for more information and further episodes, you can find us at listen to the Our theme is composed by Chad Howitt. Engineering, production, and additional music by Jake Kirkpatrick. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host. Join us next week when we sit down with Dave Monks, frontman for the band Tokyo Police Club.